This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And now for something completely different. All right, maybe not completely different, but just a little different. Yesterday afternoon, I sat down in our studio here on Chicago's Navy Pier, and I connected with Washington Post tech reporter Heather Kelly in the San Francisco Bay Bay Area. Now, we weren't talking into mics, but we were talking into our cell phones. We weren't broadcasting on WBEZ, but we were live. We held a reset conversation for a live audience on Spaces. That's Twitter's platform for live audio. And we're excited to bring you excerpts on today's show. Now, with abortions now all but banned in 15 states, Heather's been looking into what that means for people's digital data. So it turns out that the info that you share on period tracking apps, online healthcare forms, and even Google searches, that could be used as evidence in a trial if you break some of the many new laws that are in effect around the country restricting abortion. So this was really eye-opening reporting for us here at the Reset team, and we wanted to talk with Heather about it. So here's the first part of our conversation on Twitter Spaces. I'm so excited to have you as my very first Twitter Spaces guest. Ooh, I didn't realize this was that kind of a special occasion. I, I, I know, I know. I put some added pressure there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So so let's get right into it because, um, you know, of course, uh, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, abortion's obviously been a hot topic, um, rightfully so. And, and you wrote a very interesting story uh, for the Washington Post. It's uh, t- um, up online right now titled Seeking an Abortion, Here's How to Avoid Leaving a Digital Trail. So start us off, Heather. What is at stake? Why are digital trails important? So, you know, it it's from a few different angles, right? Obviously, the biggest concern is women in these states where abortion is now illegal could uh, seek one and run afoul of the law and somehow have their information about their location. Say they they went someplace that was incriminating or conversations they had could be used against them um, in a court of law. They could do jail time. And so that's the most obvious kind of surface concern. Uh, But it's also sort of an incomplete picture. There's also so much data that we are constantly sharing about us that isn't just available to law enforcement with a subpoena. It's bought and it's sold and is available to people with the means and the money. And we've already seen sort of situations like this. There was a priest that was outed last year using advertising data. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's a few different situations that that could come about, but the bottom line is we need to start changing how we handle our own personal information. Tell us about some of the ways that people are tracked so that we're clear. Sure. So, I mean, because again, this is new, Actually, funnily, it's not that new. Um, there have been cases brought against women um, in some states where self-managed abortion, say, is illegal. Things like text messages and Google searches have been used in those cases. Uh, but we talked to some legal experts. And the most interesting thing to me that stood out was it's not really shady tech dragnets of massive amounts of data that's finding people. Um, it's the people women tell. It's other human beings in their life. So um, say somebody has had a self-managed abortion, they're having side effects, they go to an emergency room. Somebody in that emergency room uh, is much more likely to report them to law enforcement than somebody searching for Google searches without any sort of information on who they are. Uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of it is just starting with um, that really basic information you tell people in person or you send over a text message. Text messages are another thing that you can make really secure. You can use a tool like Signal, which is pretty much the standard right now for secure messaging. But the person you are talking to is never going to be 100% secure. They can screenshot, they can tell somebody. So 
I guess the, the, the short story is people are um, the weak point again. <laughs> right. I mean, and you would be sending these text messages to family and friends, I assume, right? Yeah. And, and some of the people we spoke to said it's, it's also, you know, the, it's, it's like lovers, it's friends, it's people that you could have a falling out with or somebody who wouldn't want you to seek an abortion. You know, those situations could, could turn into legal situations pretty quickly. Talk to us more about who you spoke with for the story, Heather. Absolutely. So there's one organization called, and I'm sorry if I get this wrong because I'm not looking, If, When, How, and it's a reproductive rights legal organization, and they were incredibly helpful and super informative. They also have their own guides online that, that anybody could look up and sort of get some similar tips on what to do and what not to do. We talked to the ACLU and just some other advocates who are really, EFF, of course, is another one with their own guide, who are really keeping an eye on the digital side of these new laws. Yeah. Well, how do encrypted messaging apps fit into all of this? Because they play a a part in this as well, right? Exactly. Um, I'm going to bring up something completely random, the Theranos trial. So I don't know if anybody has been paying attention to the Theranos trial. Oh, bring us up to speed, shall you? (laughs) I I mean, it's over now. But um, one thing that came up was Elizabeth Holmes had these personal messages um, with Sonny Balwani, who was, you know, the other founder of the company about their relationship and and their plans. And these personal text messages ended up in court. I mean, at no point when they were having these conversations, could they have ever seen that they would be used in, I, I think at this point, both of their trials. And, and I think that's something to keep in mind with all of our personal text messages, either the police or law enforcement can get access to your phone and see the messages you've sent. Encryption will not make any difference Difference if they can just see your device or the other person's device or somebody has taken screenshots. For iMessage, which is Apple's encrypted end-to-end messaging service, if you save them to iCloud, there there is a situation in which law enforcement could pressure Apple to use its own encryption key and you they could see those messages. So you want to use encrypted messaging apps like Apple's, but don't use iCloud, like Signal, you can turn encryption on, on um, I believe, WhatsApp. Just always look in your settings and make sure. And that way, the only two people who can see that conversation are you and the person mm-hmm. you're talking to. How else can people, or should they, protect their devices? I would go into your settings. And on, on an iPhone, there's, there's a list of all the data, types of data that you are sharing with people. And wow. the, the number one thing, and they've made it really easy to turn it off, which is great. A lot of it is on by default, though. But you want to turn off location sharing, especially for apps you don't know. Like, we don't know these apps. They're not our friends. Sometimes they look really cool. One example that came up were all the period tracking apps. Uh, How handy would it be to have, like, a push notification to know when I'm ovulating or when to expect my period, when I'm fertile? It seemed like a great idea. And a lot of people were just sort of turning over this extremely personal information to app makers we don't know. We wouldn't recognize them. We don't know what their security policies are, what their privacy policies are. So one way to, to not install those, don't use period tracking apps. If you can, use a spreadsheet, use a notebook, and then go into your settings and turn off location sharing. Turn off contact sharing, calendar sharing, photo sharing, your microphone, your camera. Turn There's, everything off. Turn it all off unless it's absolutely necessary for an important app that plays a big role in your life. Something else you wrote about in your piece was about how folks should avoid declaring on forms if they're pregnant or not. It's shocking. I I hadn't really thought about it before. How many things just casually ask if you're pregnant? 
you know, I was taking a COVID test, just the test. And the, there was a question yeah, on there. It was like, are there. you pregnant? And I'm Thank like, well, so how much for tuning hmm, in? do I want to answer this? Do I have to answer this? A colleague actually noticed it first. And, and now that I see it, I can't stop seeing it. And so, you know, a lot of forms are going to ask you, are you pregnant? When, what was the date of your last period? You know, err on the side of not answering unless it's absolutely necessary for your medical health. Uh, my colleague Jeff Fowler also wrote about these doctor check-in applications that maybe your doctor's office is using, and they don't have the best privacy policies. Um, they might be sharing with, with third parties selling data to target advertisements. So just, you know, tell your doctor in person and maybe even have a conversation with them first to find out, like, where are you storing all this private information about me? What are you guys doing with it? And just, I, we just need to kind of change how we think of these casual questions that maybe we would simply answer yes or no to in the past and, and really hold those answers, I guess, a little closer. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's get back into our conversation with Heather Kelly from The Washington Post. Now, in this section, Heather answers some questions for me, Reset senior producer Meha Ahmed, and Reset producer Brenda Ruiz, and a listener who was tuning in on Twitter spaces. So if you are just tuning in, we were live on Twitter yesterday with Heather. We were talking about her reporting on the digital trails people leave on the internet related to their reproductive health care. Now, we pick things up with me asking if physical surveillance tech, like license plate scanners, could be used to monitor people seeking abortions. So, and this, I feel like is, a, it's not impossible. It's just happened. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell people they shouldn't be worried about this, but I do think it's sort of more at the extreme end. However, license plate scanners can... They're, they're everywhere. They can kind of basically track where your car goes. Um, your phone, I would say, is the bigger location giveaway. Um, your phone is a little tracking device you carry with you all day long and look at first thing in the morning yeah, and last thing at sure the end is. of the day. Maybe this is just me. And it is just no, giving. It's, it's totally me. <laughs> totally me. Oh, my poor husband. Um, and it's just yeah. it's telling everybody where you are all the time. It's sending pings to cell phone towers. So if you're worried about your actual physical location being tracked, get a burner phone. You know, the ACLU, I believe, recommended like you can get a Faraday bag, which are these bags that stop signals from going in and out of your phone and, and stick it in there. Just leave your phone at home. Just yeah. just don't take her with you this one time. Yeah, this sounds, though, like like such a big change to privacy habits. Do you think that we just need to overall just get better at protecting our privacy? Some of the things that you listed, I feel like are things that we just don't think about. I, I pick I, this thing up. Yeah. I'm looking at my phone right now and I, I'm gesturing toward my phone. You can't see me, but I pick it up and I go, <laughs> right? I, I, I don't think of anything else. I take photos with it. I answer calls. I don't think about what information I'm possibly sending without knowing. And the industry is kind of, it's pushed us to this point where it's the default to share things and then opting out is an extra step you take. Um, and I feel like a lot of these tips, they're not even necessarily just for, you know, people who can reproduce and who live in these states. I, I think it should be a change maybe for, for everybody worried about their own data. Like the, the default maybe should change to, I only give you this information when you ask and there's a good reason for it instead of me going, oh, I've been sharing my location with this random third party app for two years that tells me um, my horoscope. Uh, maybe I should opt out of that. Uh, so I think mm -hmm. it's just like a wholesale rethinking of of what, where this information is, how hard it is to get it back once it's out there, and who we share it with. What would you say, Heather, was the most surprising bit of information you learned while reporting this? I think it's the thing I mentioned earlier, that it's really the people that healthcare professionals can and have been the people 
turning people in for self-managed abortions or for miscarriages that they assumed were abortions, that it's, it's, it's really the people out there, I think was, it was so obvious because I, I, I think a lot about the technology and, and how that's poorly built or could be built better. And I don't spend as much time thinking about how people could be built better. And so that was a nice little wake up call. Do you think you're going to do more reporting on this? Oh, absolutely. I'm always taking suggestions. I, I try and write helpful things, which is a hard thing to do. Every day you wake up and like, can I be helpful in this terrible situation? And uh, this was when I thought we could come up with something helpful. And I'm sure there'll be a never ending supply of terrible news to try and be helpful about going forward. Can you talk about what you've got coming up? Any stories? Uh, Yeah. Anything? I can tease a little. I'm looking to see if my editors are listening. They're not. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sort of obsessed with how we actually use technology in our everyday life. So one thing I've been looking at a lot recently are scams, parental controls, and the relationship between parents and their kids when it comes to technology is, is one of my passions. My kids are too young for any technology, really, but I guess I'm planning ahead by researching it tirelessly now. Uh, so those are some of my favorites. Anything about like relationships with, with technology and, and how it helps or hurts us? Well, I'm going to open it up to the floor. Thank you listeners for, for stopping by here to our Twitter space. If you've got a question for Heather, uh, go ahead and uh, indicate that on the bottom left-hand corner. Just tap your little mic there. Hi, Hi Brenda. Hi. Um, do you have any suggestions on how we might be able to keep track of our period? I feel like even if those period tracking apps maybe aren't safe, they were definitely very useful, especially with the notifications, because just day-to-day life gets kind of busy. Is there any way, or I, I guess, any suggestions you have for how we can do that better in a way that's safer for us? Absolutely. I, it's funny. I thought of it this morning. I was like, I should make an Excel spreadsheet and just put it on the Washington Post. <laughs> So there's, there's a lot of, I, I would use a spreadsheet, honestly, an Excel spreadsheet is, you know, if you want a little bit of tech, instead of just like counting out the 28 day cycle, there's a site called Vertex 42, V-E-R-T-E-X 42, and they have Excel templates that you can download. Uh, you just sort of update the year to 2022 and, and start tracking. They also have a Google Sheets version, which I don't recommend because then once again, you're back to the problem of somebody else possessing your history of, of periods and missed periods. And that's sort of not the end goal. So that's one I would do. I'm trying to think there's another, there's a few other in Google, Aliza, and I'm going to, I'm going to totally mess up her last name. Uh, Fruchig, I believe she works at the New York Times and being the graphics department. She's also completed a complete resource of different ways to take control of your own period tracking on your own devices. Thanks, Heather. I think we have another question from Maha. Hey, Heather. So I guess my question is, you know, because at the core of this entire thing is just an issue of privacy. And we know that, you know, lawmakers are sort of woefully behind in legislating the tech space. But do you know of any, I guess, like, bills or efforts legislatively that is seeking to protect our privacy um, on these apps? I mean, they collect so much information about us. I guess, like, what's the path forward here? It's, I, I believe somebody, and I can't think of the lawmaker, uh, did actually, she was pitching some sort of legislation about this. The problem is a lot of these things are ideas that sound great, and they're not going to be pushed through at a federal level right now. I think there's more hope on the state level. And so in California, we actually have one of the strongest privacy laws. Practically in this situation, it, it's not too helpful, but it does let you ask a, a period tracking app, say, to delete everything it's ever collected about you. 
and to not sell that data. And so those are two tools it does have. But again, the problem is it's after the fact. It's, it's not stopping them from collecting it. It's giving you recourse after they've already collected it. But that is a model I think we might see other states start to adopt. Thanks, Heather. Taylor's got a question. Hi, um, I had a question for, for Heather. What recourse does someone have if their digital information is subpoenaed around this? I I will say the advice I give to anybody in legal trouble, call a lawyer. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, and it's going to absolutely depend on the state. There are some, some, on the tech side, the companies do have different policies where they claim they push back as much as possible these were clearly written by lawyers because it's a lot of words that mean nothing, but they do try to inform you when your data has been subpoenaed, which is again, after the fact. So I, I think once it's gone, you know, it's become a legal situation that you have to deal with sort of in that sphere. And it's another reason, I guess, to sort of take control ahead of time to, to, you know, do deletion requests, delete those apps from your phones. Now, um, one lawyer I spoke to did make an interesting point that when enforcement starts in some of these states, it's not just going to be at that moment going forward. They might be looking in the past, so at previous data trails that people had left behind. So it, it's almost just as important to like look at what we've already shared instead of just what we're sharing going forward. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for Reset's first ever conversation on Twitter Spaces. Now, we plan to do many more of these in the future. So if there's a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Spaces, get in touch at WBEZ Reset on Twitter. And keep an eye on your feed for updates on when we're doing this again. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.